You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Been a hot few days in Knoxville, Tennessee time. I think summer's summer's really here time. We're going to play football this fall time? We're going to talk about that time. It's always possible time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday morning. Hope everybody's having a good Monday morning out there, unless, of course, it's Monday afternoon, evening, whatever time of day it is, Tuesday, Wednesday. It could be any day, but if it's Monday morning and you're spending it with us, we certainly appreciate it. Not just me on the podcast. Uh, we got a couple of co-workers involved on this one. we got Patrick Brown from his undisclosed location. we got Ryan Callahan from across town. Fellas, what's up? Not much, man. Uh, How's it going? It goes. Um, did y'all have a good weekend, by the way? Yeah. You know, summer weekends, well, I mean, when you're leading up to a football season, at least, you know, you, you kind of relish the summer weekends because you know they're almost over um, as far as like weekends where you actually have free time and there's not football to watch. You know, that doesn't have quite the same feel, but but yeah, summer weekends are always pretty good, almost always pretty good. And, and yeah, good weekend. Yeah, we made the mistake or I made the mistake yesterday of thinking it was a good idea because you know it's been like 100 degrees for like several days in a row now i thought it would be a good idea to throw around about oh i don't know 150 cubic uh feet of dirt uh, around the, the yard and then about 80 cubic feet of mulch so my back is not quite literally but figuratively on fire today on fire not a good way to start the week but it was fun while it lasted over the weekend what i did this weekend is none of Y'all's business. That's so what, that's what I figured. I'm happy that it was. Uh, well, I mean, was it a good time? Can you say if it was a good or bad time, or is that not our business either? I will say that I spent a lot of time outside. <sighs> there you go. Okay. Okay. And yes, it was very hot. <laughs> yeah, man. It's. Whew, I love it, but this is pushing even me. It's been right up there around 100 degrees, uh, just about every day. No rain in sight. It's okay though. You know what? That's what that's what summer's all about. That's what summer's all about. I love this stuff. Guys, um, another week where we don't know exactly what's going to go on with Tennessee football this fall. We got a lot that we're going to talk about on this episode. We've got uh, some recruiting stuff we're going to talk about in the second segment since we got Ryan back. Uh, We've got uh, another portal, portal, portal uh, loss for Tennessee that we're going to discuss here in just a minute. But first, we're going to kick it off uh, talking about what else, COVID-19, the... uh, you know, the the lingerer, the uh, jerk that won't leave the party, even though we're begging him to. Uh, not quite sure what's going on there. Uh, there's been no, as far as I can tell, no major updates from the SEC. We've heard nothing new from the commissioner. We've heard nothing really new from Tennessee's end. They're just continuing to prepare as if uh, the season will be played, and they're hoping it'll be played. I know they've been in contact with their vendors who sell things during games, uh, trying to get their stuff in order, making sure they're good to go, um, placing their 
if they're not placing orders, talking about placing orders for the season ahead. So they're they're looking at this like they're hoping they're going to play. But fellas, I, you know, it's still no changes, but still nothing, no great news either. I guess. Yeah, it sounds like it's still uh, in limbo with everybody looking towards the end of the month to see what the SEC is going to do. Um, I think there's been some reports that the SEC has been talking with the other two leagues that have yet to go to conference only schedules to you know potentially fill out a. Um, you know, to, to keep some of those SEC ACC rivalry games, first of all, which of those, is good. The Florida, Florida States, Georgia, Georgia Techs, Clemson, South Carolina, those kind of games. Um, I think the Big 12 is included in that. So I guess Tennessee's uh, the game with Oklahoma is still um, still alive and kicking at this point. So if you've uh, bought your tickets and your plane tickets and all that stuff for that game and well in advance, you're, uh, you're still good there for uh, at least a few more days, I would think. But I'm hoping we can fly. I'm hoping we can fly, fellas, because if they uh, if they make us oh, well. sit together in a car for that long of a trip, <laughs> well, if there are games to cover, I don't. I I think they'll limit how much how many press can go. Which yep, you guys true. have fun watching at home because I'll be the one that gets to do it. So yeah, um, hashtag football beat writer privilege. True, uh, but, true. Uh, but yeah, no, I think we're all just it's just in limbo. That's where it is right now. Um, Hoping for the best, and you know we'll see what happens. I, I'll say this: I, I, I know the optimism seemed to go down across the country here the last couple of weeks, more specifically maybe a week or ten days ago, based on the rising case numbers and everything we're seeing across the country. And that's that's a fair reaction. And I think the SEC has made it clear they're they're watching things like that. Other conferences are obviously watching things like that. But I've I've been cautious to. To, to get too negative or, or even too positive based on, on some of that stuff. Cause I just, I just don't know what the deciding factor on all this is going to be. I'm sure the case numbers do matter. You know, it, it, they're going to be worried about the perception of playing when, when it looks like things are getting worse in the, in some of these towns, I, I understand all that, but I don't know what's going to be the deciding factor. So I, I, I hear just as many people still being optimistic about the chances of there being football this season. We see urban Meyer making some comments suggesting you know he's not he's not sure every conference is going to play he's not sure every team's going to play but he he's still pretty positive about the chances of there being a season this year so i and urban I mean, urban he, meyer has never told a lie ever <laughs> well there's that but the he, he thinks the conference only approach is going to help things stay on track and that's mm-hmm. an interesting take that i could certainly see so i you know i'm not ruling out anything and i'm i'm maybe not as pessimistic as i as i was even a week ago i i'm still of the belief that there's just a lot of money on the line for everybody involved, certainly a conference like the SEC and all those schools. And if they can find a way to play, I think they really, really want to. So uh, where there's a will, there's a way, I, you know, I, we've seen it too many times with sports and I, I think they'll, they'll explore every single option until there is no more. And, and even at worst, I think they'll just push things back a little while probably. Yeah. Here's, here's what I still keep thinking about uh, before we move on. What I keep thinking about is that I think, what they consider maybe the last case or worst case scenario would be playing in the spring. Although I keep wondering, I I, I want us to cover football in the fall. I want things to feel as normal as possible. Uh, Even if that means that, you know, we're having to figure out different ways to cover it because they're not going to allow all of us uh, in the box for every game. We'll have to figure all that stuff out. I'm talking about for the people in general. I want the people to have, their normal something like a normal fall because I feel like 
especially if things keep getting worse, you know, people are going to be starving for things to go to, for things to watch, you know? I mean, there's only so many things you can stream out there. There's only, you know, you want to watch some ball at some point. Like but, baseball starting this week. Yeah, I mean, thank God. Knock on wood. Hopefully it, hopefully it happens. But, you, yeah. you know, uh, thanks, Canada. Um, but, you know, I, I think that in the spring they would probably make more money. And if that's what they're – I mean, I, I'm trying to figure this out because you've got the TV money from the fall, right? But then you've also got, if you're Tennessee, seven – games right there eight eight nine whatever however many games they are at home th- those are big games that if you can get fans in the stands that's a lot more money so i i don't know i'm not an Do economist we know they can get fans in the stands in the spring though any more than that they might they still might in the fall i'm not ruling that out i mean who says they can't the nascar just had twenty thousand plus at bristol for an all-star race i mean neyland stadium's a big place who says you can't put twenty thousand in there for for home games this season. Yeah, you could. I'm just wondering what the difference is in 20K versus 100K. I mean, that's a lot I, of I don't, hot dogs I don't, and water. I don't know how realistic it is that 100K is going to happen before. <clears throat> I mean, who knows? We're, we're all guessing at this point, but that doesn't seem realistic no matter when they do it to me. I still don't see a spring season being feasible um, for the yeah. sport. It's tough. Um, it really is. The only way I think it would be feasible is if you could have full stadiums, and that's far, far from a guarantee. Um, I, I just think you're, you're not going to be able to play as many games. Um I don't think you're going to be able to sell people on that being a reason to delay. If that makes that like, that's, that's too like, well, that's I, far from a sure thing. I mean, it, the, the, the season is already going to be watered down to agree to a degree. If there's limited to no fans in the stands, it's going to be even more watered down. If uh, you move it to the spring, it's only, you know, six to eight games tops. Uh, you have guys sitting out for the NFL draft. You have guys who maybe play a few games and then sit out. Um, I know there's been some, you know, some scuttle about what, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not that many guys will sit out cause you know, um, you know, cause a lot of guys need to play and improve their stock in the lives of the NFL, but yeah. Like if you're Trevor Lawrence, you might think about it, but you know, and Justin Fields, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna sap the game of some of its best players. And, and I think it will be, you know, I, I think, um, I think there will be a lot of guys that will sit out. I don't think it'll impact Tennessee that much. Uh, maybe beyond Trey Smith, maybe a couple other guys might do it, but, um, it might level the playing field, you know, because teams like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they'll probably have more guys sit out than, than everybody else. True. But you, you're just kind of watering it down. Um, can you play – can you have a conference championship? I mean, at that point, can you play a, a full enough schedule? Um, you have to play at least six games if, if you're the SEC just to determine division winners, or, you know, play everybody in your division at least once. Um, is that really worth it? And the, to me uh, – and I know a lot of, you know, Teams are used to practicing in the spring. They're used to, to kind of grind in for a few weeks in the spring because uh, a lot of a lot of teams do that with the way they structure their practices. But um, it just uh, as weird as it as the season would be if it's going to be played in the fall. I think it's even. I think it's twice as as odd if you're playing it in the spring and then you're having to play two seasons in one year, which I don't think is. Uh, I just don't think that's very smart. Well, but, yeah, because if any because last if, resort, if anyone rips their ACL, you know three or four games into that first season, then they miss two seasons of action. So that's, you know. And and just the health risk of playing, what, 20 football games potentially in a calendar year, that's just – that's a, or 20-plus, that, that's a lot. Um, I, I, I just think, too, if there's an opening for them to do anything this fall, given the situation and the uncertainty, I, I think they're going to be inclined to take whatever they can get. If that's an eight-game season with no fans in the stands, I still think they're going to look at that and say, you know what, we get the TV money, and that's something we all need right now. So – 
the end of the day, I, I, I think they're, they're probably going to just make the best of this fall. And if there's absolutely no way to play this fall, then they, they push back. But if, but if you're, if you're weighing, you know, the possibility of more fans in the stands versus, you know, a 10 game season with, with some fans in the stands this fall, I, I think they're going this fall personally. You're probably right. I just, I don't think it's like a conspiracy theory type thing. I just always think like it comes down to money in the end. Sure. So I, you know, we'll, we'll see what that ends up being. I mean, there's plenty to discuss there, and uh, you know, we'll have another episode at least one more later in the week. And any updates that come throughout the week, we'll come to you there. Bring those there because right now it's just a Monday morning, so the news will start to kind of trickle in as the week goes on. That sounds like the SEC. Every everybody seems to think they're going to buy as much time as possible and maybe make oh, some yeah. sort of announcement around the 30th or 31st. So I think sometime in you know late next week, hopefully we will have some sort of verdict on on what they're trying to do and it is important for the sec and the acc for those three big non-conference games to be played uh georgia georgia tech florida florida state south carolina clemson they those are the reasons that they're trying to make sure that they're not just completely ruling out all of those non-conference games because those are really really important for for those uh, six programs and they should be those are big in-state rivalries that go back a long time and and those are important to be played uh on to tennessee news before we move on here at the end of the first segment uh there's been another loss to the portal 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 uh sophomore or is he a third year sophomore at this point that's what he is right he is that's what he is yeah uh good old brandon davis is a guy who um you know, he Tennessee took him. He's a nice athlete. Took him out of Louisiana a few years ago. Uh, they took him hoping he could play corner. He ends up playing safety. Weighs maybe like a buck seventy-five. He kind of looks like a corner. Uh, just as Tennessee gets bigger and bigger physically in the secondary, he's just a guy who uh, I don't know if he's got the body type to do that. He almost looks more like the baseball player he is than the than than a football player. So. I, to me, I, I, this looks like something that benefits. It's kind of a mutually beneficial thing. Am I wrong about that, fellas? No, seems that way. I mean, I, it's uh, it's one of those things we kind of thought was going to happen with a couple of guys at some point, and obviously you had the uh, the less planned departure, maybe of, uh, of of Emmett Gooden, obviously being dismissed last week. Um, so that that takes away from the the numbers trying to get down to the 85 limit and unfortunately for for Tennessee it came from a guy that they were expecting to be a, a starter a major contributor this, this you know more the type of defection we thought seemed likely and honestly if you'd asked any of us you know to name five guys who were maybe most likely to leave the program this way Brandon Davis probably would have made both or all, all three of those lists I'm uh, guessing so yes he, he's he was buried on the depth chart a little bit at safety just didn't seem to be on any sort of trajectory that would have put him in the mix for playing time. So yeah, it makes sense for him to, to move on somewhere else and have a better chance to play somewhere. And, and obviously it gets Tennessee much, much closer to solving that uh, what, what's looked like a numbers crunch, but really I think they've had a, had a pretty, pretty good feel for what they were going to do all along and, and didn't see it as a, as a major hurdle. So makes sense on both ends and uh, yeah, best of luck to him. I'm sure he'll find a, a place that's a, that's a good fit for him to spend his last few years. Yeah, I would. I think this is motivated by playing time. I don't. I don't know how much of a factor Davis is going to be uh, in the secondary, um, especially with some of the guys that that are going to be a couple of guys that are going to be joining it. Uh, the, the two freshmen that are in there now, Keyshawn Lawrence and Danico Slaughter, adding a little bit more uh, depth already to what's already a, a pretty decent group in terms of uh, quality and quantity, at least to me. But um, yeah, I think there's a chance for him to go somewhere else and, and maybe look for uh, a better opportunity in terms of playing time. Um, I don't think he'd 
I don't want to say did anything wrong. I, is, is, I think that's the main motivation is, uh, is him looking for a, a better situation for himself. And uh, as you touched on, Ryan, it was, I don't want to say expected, but uh, he was a guy that a lot, you know, a lot of us thought might go to the portal at some point. And, uh, and now he has, and Tennessee is pretty much right at the number just about there's some, there's some walk-ons um, as I've written before that were given scholarships that those might not get picked up again um, uh, or might not be renewed. So if you, if you take those guys out of the equation, I think Tennessee's pretty close to, to being at the 85 number um, and throughout the off season, even with it being kind of an odd off season, I don't think Tennessee's ever been close to panicking about getting uh, under the numbers and, and making those numbers work. So uh, they still might need one more if, if they're going to have uh, Jeremy Banks back, but um uh, but they're a lot closer now than they were in just a matter of a couple of days. Yeah, you know, I, people ask us every year, you know, oh my oh my gosh, how are these numbers going to work out? How are they? Let me tell you this. The numbers always work themselves out. Uh, and I know that people don't like it when we answer questions like that because, you know, we'll say things like, nah, some things are going to work out, but I'll, I'll tell you, the numbers, they, uh, they, they sort themselves out in the end. They get where they need to be. And that's this is one of those cases. I was saying a minute ago that, that, that he weighed a buck seventy five. Actually, was uh, I overshot it there by a little bit. He's listed at one sixty. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know at, at safety in the league at that size. I mean, it's one thing to be like Jonathan Hefney sized, but but this guy's, you know, this this he, he he's skinny. He looks like a baseball player. He really does, and he's a good athlete. There's somewhere he can play at the college level. I have zero doubt about that. Uh, he's he's a good athlete. But, you know, I'm not – I look around – look up look up and down the roster, and, and I see maybe at least one walk-on in Garland who might – they might look at before they looked at him. I mean, you know, I or former walk-on, I should say. I, I think there are other guys that they would look to before they'd look to him in a game, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And that, I, I feel kind of bad for uh, for Brandon Davis because this this year being so unusual – you know, this, this move happening in July is really odd. You know, this is kind of close to when preseason camp should be starting, hopefully, uh, at most schools. So, you know, it doesn't give him a lot of time to turn around and, and move to a new place and pick up a new playbook and, and get ready for this season, e- even if he's, you know, el- eligible to play right away, which which I guess he hasn't graduated yet, I wouldn't think, in, in just over two years or right about two years. So, yeah, I, I would say he might have to sit out anyway, so that maybe takes away from some of the – desire to do it sooner but yeah this is one of those things that probably would have happened around the end of the spring in a normal year and it just got kind of pushed back because nothing got sorted out really on the practice field and things just sort of had to be forced a little bit more this summer uh with nobody really seeing anybody play since march a couple other news and notes before we get out here on the first segment guys um this should not be a huge surprise but uh henry toto has been named to the uh, 2020 butkus award watch list a, a really nice looking uh I tell you the the guys who make the 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 memes and the gifs and all that for UT they do a great job uh because those are uh that that looks pretty that looks pretty good that one but uh no surprise right Pat I know you've been working on the story no surprise he's on that list No it's actually his uh second list um it, it is watch list season college football uh the season may be in limbo but the uh the preseason watch list they never stop Never, ever stop. Um, ne- they never and, uh, stop, never stopping. Uh, and this is Toto's second list. He was on the Chuck Bednarik Award, which is given annually to the best defensive player in college football, and the Butkus Award, of course, named for Dick Butkus, 
one of the best linebackers to ever play the game. Uh, that award is given annually to uh, best linebacker in college football. And he deserves probably after his freshman season to be both on those lists. They, they're, they're long lists. It's not like they're an exclusive list at this time of the year, but you know, um, the Butkus list is actually only has 51 players, which is which is small compared to most watch lists that are up in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> the watch list is like everyone who plays this position. I like like the uh, the quarterback watch list or whatever. It's like here's every single player who's probably going to start this season in college football at quarterback. That that seems to be what a lot of those quarterback lists are. So that's uh, that's where things are at the moment. But here's what we're, we're going to do, guys. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, going to listen to some products, services, in-house ads, all those other fun things. Come back, uh, talk a tiny bit, tiny bit about Tennessee basketball recruiting, although we'll do more of that later in the week when we get Ramey back on. Uh, but then we'll spend most of it talking uh, Tennessee football recruiting because there is, uh, speaking of other things that never stop, recruiting never stops. We're going to be discussing that in just one second. Hashtag ad. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to the go balls 24 7 podcast brought to you by whatever products services and in-house ads you heard just a moment ago during that commercial break thanks for the people listening out there to those Thanks to everyone listening to us here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from parts across Knoxville slash Knox County 
here on a on a beautifully sunny Monday morning. I'm sure it's going to be 100 degrees again because it has been every other day. Uh, before we talk about a couple things, guys, quick reminder. You've probably gotten tired of hearing this, but I'm sorry. Uh, that's just how it's going to be for a bit. We need to remind you, go in and rate and review this podcast. Whether you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you can get, wherever pods are casted, we are there. So go there, rate, review the podcast, please. Subscribe, click that button real quick, just like that. Then go in there and rate and review. There is nothing you can do out there that will help this podcast spread more than that. It's We're happy to do this for free. We really are. Uh, we enjoy doing this. We're happy to bring it to you, but we really would like for you to go in and hit that subscribe button and rate and review it. Uh, we'd like five-star reviews, but uh, you know, give us what you think we, we deserve. Be honest. We got, Everybody we got likes no, five stars. Yeah, we got no problem with honesty. Just tell us. Tell us what you like. Give us some suggestions on things you think we could do better moving forward, uh, which many people have, have said they would like a new host, and I, I, I think that's pretty pretty smart of them, actually. But here's what it, it's what you get for now, guys. You get me. So here's what we're going to do. As, as a people, we're going to come together, and we're going to say, you know what? I'm going to click on that podcast. I'm going to hit subscribe. I'm going to rate it. I'm going to review it. And we're going to move on. So please, please, and thank you. We appreciate your help in that matter. Got some Tennessee basketball news, recruiting news, uh, to describe here really quickly. Uh, There's been a lot of buzz lately with Tennessee and a five-star, five-star, five-star. Kennedy Chandler, point guard from Memphis, one of the very best prospects in the country. Uh, he has released his final uh, list of schools, a small list, Tennessee's on it. And uh, what we've heard in Knoxville jives from what uh, other people across the country are hearing too, which is that Tennessee is trending in the right direction there. Uh, so that huge recruiting class that Rick Barnes and his guys got this year, I, I don't think that that's going to be the only one. I think they're going to keep recruiting if not at that level, then really darn close to it. Uh, you know, Kim English has been working his tail off, the new assistant coach on the trail. He's been spending a lot of time in Memphis, as you can tell by his social media feed. No secret why he's over there as much as he possibly can be. So, yeah, there's uh, there's some news there. We're going to have Ramey on later in the week to discuss that because if you get Kennedy Chandler and his best friend, Paulo Banchero, the, the big man on the West Coast out in Seattle, he's a five-star, one of the best players in the country. Maybe does he want to come across the country? You know, he only took five official visits, and it was like Duke, Carolina, UNC, Gonzaga, and Tennessee. And he is really, really close with Kennedy Chandler. So there is a, it's a small basketball world when you're that good at it. So uh, a lot of those I love Banchero is a great name, by the way. It is. It, and, and I hope I'm not butchering it. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. You're probably butchering it. Probably. And Kim English is probably not spending all that time in Memphis just for recruiting. He's spending all that time in Memphis because Memphis is a great place to spend a lot of time in. That's true. Maybe he wants to visit. Look at yours truly. Uh, at, well, I mean, my brother lives there. I'm just saying. That doesn't mean you live there, though. No, but I mean, it means my family does. You are not an honorary Memphian now, Wes. No, I'm, I'm not, you I'm, two clowns are. I'm not claiming honorary Memphian yet, but I am someone who is from East Tennessee who has always loved Memphis. I have never said a bad word about it. I'm not going to start now. False lies. What about propaganda? Okay, hold on. Let's rephrase this. Have I ever said anything bad about Memphis that I didn't say just to irritate you, Pat? Uh, y- yes, you have. 
It's not going as Wes intended. I don't believe that. And I've got witnesses and receipts. Do you have receipts? Somewhere. Okay. Then the next podcast, I'm gonna have. I'm I'm putting this on a note. Pat receipts Memphis. I'm, You'll I'm, lose that note. I'm writing it down. Probably, but I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> what can I say? I'm just not happy. You know, Arsenal beat Liverpool and Man City like in a four day period. So, uh, Do you get a trophy for that? Uh, I'm, I'm, no. I'm actually, I'm actually raining, like making one and putting it on the wall. I'm framing it because the last few years, that's been the, the only thing that's been nice about loving that football club guys, uh, Tennessee football recruiting. I know, uh, we missed Ryan last week. Uh, the timing just didn't work out. You know, you got all those 18 well, kids we didn't, running around we didn't the house. miss, we didn't miss Ryan. Ryan was not present. He wasn't here. Ryan was not present and accounted for because as you know, uh, he is now lapping the field on Ramey in terms of number of kids. Uh, so they've uh, they're they're a bunch of rugrats running around the Callahan house, and so uh, you know it's it's summer. It's everyone's working at home. Things are crazy right now. So we get who we get when we can get them. Uh, but Ryan, we haven't talked to you in about a week or so about this. So there's a lot of recruiting stuff to discuss, and we're going to get to that. I guess first off, we probably should mention a Tennessee commitment who's now got uh, a nearby school, Auburn, chasing him. Start lead off with that, Ryan. Yeah, Rock Taylor, the uh, the athlete, uh, really wide receiver from Oxford, Alabama, been committed to Tennessee since uh, since back in April. And at the time, you know, it, that was a commitment that probably came as a little bit of a surprise to some people who maybe weren't aware how of how much Tennessee was involved there. Uh, but it didn't look like a high-profile pickup for Tennessee at the time. You know, he said they beat out South Carolina at the time. He had a few SEC offers, uh, but wasn't wasn't being pursued by either of the in-state schools, Auburn or Alabama, although both of them, more so Auburn, had, had shown interest. Uh, and, we, and we heard he was on Auburn's radar that they might have even been close to offering this spring, but that didn't happen. Well, that that's changed now. Uh, last week uh, on Tuesday, he got that offer from Auburn, and, and it's, it's at least something to keep an eye on moving forward. I, I think Tennessee is in good shape right now to, to sort of weather the storm there, but it, it's going to be one of those situations to keep an eye on just because it's – it's not not just in state, but it's a nearby school. You know, his, his high school is less than 100 miles from Auburn's campus, so they view him as someone in their backyard. And sounds like one of their one of their top priorities at wide receiver now. You know, they they've got a, a couple guys they've sort of got their sights set on. And, and according to Keith Niebuhr from our Auburn side, it does sound like uh, Rock Taylor is is one of those guys. So bigger bodied athlete uh, that that you know could could be sort of a a jump ball specialist, but also a good enough athlete to be a deep threat and, and things like that at receiver. Uh, you know, a little bit maybe built like like D Beckwith, maybe somewhat in the in the 2020 class, one of those types of athletes. Uh, you know, maybe even could grow into tight end, but I think he belongs at receiver, and that's where Auburn season two. So he, he's a definitely a name to keep an eye on in the coming months. And, and as far as Tennessee's commitments go, not that he's shaky just yet, but if you're looking for someone who's maybe going to be a battle down the stretch, that he certainly could be one. Great name too, you know. You, you got to throw that out there. I mean, when your name's Rock Taylor, you're probably going to be pretty good at football. I, I believe in predestination with the names. Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption. I'm just saying. I mean, like guys like Cayman Marley, you know, Danico Slaughter, Rock Taylor, you know, Trinity Bell, obviously Deshaun Rucker for obvious reasons. Those are those are those are big time names. Uh, next one up, Ryan, uh, Tennessee's quarterback uh, commitment. 
did really well at the Elite 11. Uh, he was able to to go to the finals, do some good stuff there, uh, slung, the, uh, slung the tater, as Ramey might say, uh, showed some athleticism, and uh, looks like he's been rewarded for it. He's still pretty up there near the near the tops of the country uh, nationally. Yeah, we, we reshuffled the deck a little bit last week among the uh, the top quarterbacks in the 2021 class, and he is uh, he is still in the top 100 in 24-7 sports rankings, number 77 overall, number three now among dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, some guys essentially moved, moved down, uh, and, that, and that allowed him to move up to number three among dual threat quarterbacks. So clearly, you know, mostly backed up what, what our analysts thought of him going into the, uh, to the Elite 11 finals at it was a little bit of a limited event this year. You know, I think we've mentioned before that they they couldn't have seven on seven play at this year's event because of uh, the COVID-19 sort of limiting things uh, with you know, legal liability, all the things that go into holding an event like that. Couldn't really have one on one competition. So they essentially threw routes on air and had some accuracy competitions and things like that. So limited event. But, you know, what our analysts saw from him on on video from that event certainly backed up everything they they thought about him going into it and the fact that he's still ranked in the top 100 nationally. I mean, that's, that's higher than Harrison Bailey was ranked uh, at this time a year ago in our rankings to give you some perspective on that. So I know a lot of people see Harrison Bailey as kind of the future at quarterback, but I think uh, coming out of the elite 11 finals, you got to look at Caden Salter as a guy who's, who's got, you know, just as much upside maybe as a guy like Harrison Bailey, even if he's a bit more raw and at the very least has a chance to be, you know, ranked in that same neighborhood uh, at the end of the year. So hopefully we'll get some senior film on him, but so far so good. You know, that, that, that big rankings bump we gave him a couple months ago, still, uh, still checks out and our guys like him quite a bit. I tell you though, uh, iron sharpens iron. So there, you know, you, if you just, my take on the quarterback position would very clearly be, you just get as many big time, as many prospects you like as you can. And then you let it sort itself out because how many people really right now go through a season with one quarterback taking every snap? It's just yeah. – it's becoming more and more rare. For Tennessee, it's been rare for, like, what, more than a decade now where where it's hard to get through the season with just one quarterback. It's just not the way it's been for Tennessee a lot of the times. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you very clearly – uh, I, I would not assume anything about anybody being an heir apparent at quarterback. I don't know that that exists much anymore. Uh, I think – and as long as Pruitt's the coach, I think it's going to be a deal where um, pretty much – every year coming into it, it's going to be an open competition and whoever wins it, wins it. So, well, it's, and you're much more likely to find the right guy and to, and to stumble upon a star, the more, the more guys you have competing, that's just the reality. So, you know, this is three straight years. Tennessee's had an elite 11 quarterback in its class. Uh, Brian Maurer was an elite 11 selection two years ago. Uh, obviously Harrison Bailey last year, even Jarrett Garantano was. So when you've got four, you know, four uh, elite 11 guys in a span of, uh, six years that's uh you, you know you're doing something pretty well at that position and 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 stacking that kind of depth at that position gives you a chance to to ultimately find uh one of them that's that's really good so you know more, it's, it's one of those positions that's hard to predict but you know, the more guys you have that are good the better chance you have of being good the more darts you throw at the board the the better chance you got at a bullseye basically yep. so a couple other things ryan before we step out of here there's a couple of uh couple of five stars five stars five stars uh from the state of georgia that tennessee seems to be still very much in play for marius mims who's rated number six overall a big offensive tackle there out of uh, bleckley county in cochran georgia and then you've got smile is it mondone or, or it's smile mondone right 
Munden. Munden. Smile Munden. Smile Munden. London London with an M, basically. It's funny because I I wanted to make sure I was like, okay, yeah, Smile, that one, I I get that one. And then I butchered his last name, so how about that? Sorry, Smile, if you're out there listening. Uh, (laughs) The the outside linebacker from Paulding County, which is a a high school down there in Dallas, Georgia, rated number 26 overall, uh, number two at outside linebacker. Uh, Georgia's been the team with a lot of steam for both of those kids. A lot of people, I mean, our crystal balls have 100% to Georgia for both of them, but Tennessee's still in there swinging, right, Ryan? They, they are, and, and, and I've kind of told people for a while now, I think the crystal ball is maybe a little bit misleading on, on where things really stand with Smile London. I think starting with him, you know, he, he's, he, he's making it sound like he wants to wait a little while to make a decision, but the reality is he's keeping things just really open-ended, not, not tipping his hand on anything, including when he'll announce. Uh, there's been some some talk at different times over the past month or two that he might be on the verge of doing something, and that hasn't happened to this point. So we'll see if he, he follows through on that, but it sounds like he at least has a desire to maybe take more visits uh, sometime this fall, which hopefully will happen uh, in, in September. But right now the dead period is extended through at least the end of August. So he's going to have to wait several more weeks if he really wants to do that. But right now, you know, we, we continue to hear a lot about the same three teams. It's, it's Auburn, Georgia, and Tennessee. And depending on who you listen to, who you're talking to, you, you might hear Buzz pointing to any of those three teams as the favorite on any given day. And, and really lately, we've heard a lot about Auburn and Tennessee having, having real shots at him. So I think that one's much more interesting than the crystal ball suggests. And I'm not counting out Tennessee in that one at all. But, you know, Auburn certainly – has, has had as much buzz as anyone lately in that recruitment and what wouldn't count them out for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Amarius Mims, we know he's announcing a little bit sooner. He, he's announcing August 15th. He announced a top six last week that included Tennessee, sort of narrowing the, the top 10 he had announced on April 1st. Um, so we know Tennessee's in the discussion. Uh, sort of the mystery now is we know Georgia's still very much in it. Uh, Alabama was thought to be the other top contender. They were, they were his leader back when he announced on April 1st uh, and he ranked them in order at the time. But now, you know, that since then, essentially a lot of the talk has, has centered around Georgia, maybe ultimately being the team to beat. I think that's still the case. You know, now Alabama's gotten some other highly ranked offensive linemen lately. Uh, and, and if he's looking at depth charts at all, you know, they've, they've got a few offensive linemen in that class. Now does that, does that, take Alabama down a notch at all, or, or are they still right up there? And if not, who emerges as the main threat to Alabama uh, or, or to Georgia for, uh, for Marius Mims? You know, there's some talk on Auburn's end that maybe Auburn has a real shot there, but Tennessee's been battling, you know, I think they're, there may be a dark horse, but, you know, just haven't heard a lot of, a lot of talk lately about Tennessee being uh, potentially a, a, a major threat to steal them away from Georgia. So Tennessee, obviously in the discussion, but I think still chasing for Marius Mims. Uh, if, if you're one that five-star surprise in this class, I think Smile Munden is one of the more realistic shots Tennessee has at pulling that kind of upset. Ryan, last question I've got for you, unless there's something else you, you want to add afterward, is I want to talk about momentum in general. Because Tennessee, you know, it's very clear, like anyone from 30,000 feet up can look and see when Tennessee was reeling off all those commitments left and right, going up to number two nationally in the standings. Tennessee was was just you know hotter than a firecracker there for a while and just went on one of the most ridiculous recruiting runs I think any of us have ever seen. And I think some people think that if you're not like, oh my gosh, trending forward, that you're that you're almost not trending at all or you're not going in the right direction. And I think what we tried to make clear to people at the time was that Tennessee – 
there's going to be movement, right? There's going to be some kids. There's 23 commits now. There's going to be some they add to the class, probably going to be some others who decide to go elsewhere. That's what kids do. That's how things work out. Uh, but right now, Tennessee has only slid down from second to fourth. Um, but you look at the several teams behind them have fewer commitments. So you would imagine if nothing else uh, happens for Tennessee for a bit, some other people will start passing them. I don't, I don't think that necessarily means things are going in the wrong direction, though. I think that means – Tennessee loaded up early and this still looks like a top 10 ish class, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think for sure a top 10 ish class and, and still a chance to be, you know, more than just a top 10 class, but we'll, we'll, it'll depend on what they are able to add in the coming months. But yeah, you know, they were, they were actually back to number three uh, after a little while because uh, Clemson, which was ahead of them has now lost a couple guys lately. They've fallen down to number nine. Uh, and Alabama is the one that actually just passed Tennessee vaulting up to number two. They've been on a bit of a tear lately. Yes, They're they have 15, 15 commitments. And now at number two with, uh, with, a, with eight fewer commitments than Tennessee, they're not catching uh, Ohio state. Are they, uh, you know, they've, they've got a mathematical shot, uh, you know, this, this far away from signing day, just depending on how the rankings, uh, how the rankings evolve in the coming months, but definitely, I mean, they've got three, five stars already in their class. Ohio state has four, the way Alabama recruits, I'm certainly not ruling out that possibility, but they've still got some work to do. Uh, but, yeah, especially on the offensive line, Alabama's done some real work this summer getting uh, J.C. Latham and Tommy Brockermeyer most recently uh, last week on, on Friday, uh, a couple five-star tackles. That's a, it's a good place to start. So they're, they're on a tear, and, and we knew, you know, you kind of knew Alabama would make their run. LSU's made its run. They're, they're closing in on Tennessee. They're up to number five now, just behind Tennessee, actually, less than a point behind them. So, you know, those teams that were down there because their commitment totals were down, they're they're catching up. And, and in Alabama's case, already passing Tennessee. So that's kind of showing what we thought all along, which was that Tennessee would need to do more work to be able to stay in the top five. And, and certainly they've still got a lot of work to do if they want to finish in the top five. But I think at the very least, it's a top 10 kind of class. And, you know, they're they're realistically far from being done with it. You know, they still need a couple more offensive linemen at least at least a couple more defensive linemen, a big need there. They want another edge rusher. You know, they're still recruiting guys like Smile Munden. Uh, he, he's a, at linebacker where they've got a couple guys already, but just a major priority. Still looking for help in the secondary. So this class, far from done, even though they have 23 commitments. But, yeah, they clearly are, are going to have to land some quality players to stay in the top five. Yeah, and LSU's sitting there kind of nipping at Tennessee's heels right there. So is Oregon right there behind them. But LSU's got 15 – or I guess, hold on, let me read that right. Yeah, 16, I, I believe, commits, 14 of which are four stars. So, yeah. you know, and they don't, but they don't have any five stars yet. So they're, they're, they're still got room to go there. So plenty to talk about there, plenty of recruiting stuff. And, um, Ryan, anything else on recruiting before we wrap this up? Uh, you know, nothing too imminent. The, uh, I guess the next thing to really watch, uh, announcement wise, will be Peyton Page. Uh, he, he's announcing next week on, on July 28th, and he's, he's been focused on the same three teams for a while now Clemson, Tennessee, and North Carolina. I, I still think Clemson's the favorite there, but that'll be one to at least keep an eye on over the next week to see if we hear anything different. Uh, I think Tennessee has been the main competition for Clemson, so we'll, we'll see if anything different happens there. But uh, Clemson thought to be the favorite and, and he's a, a little more than a week away from announcing now. So that'll be kind of the next domino that we're aware of to fall uh, in, in regard to Tennessee's class. And we'll see if they miss out on him, you know, if that uh, if, if they sort of move on to some other targets on the defensive line, you know, they still got some other names they're in play for there. So probably no need to panic, even if they miss out on him because they've, they've cast a pretty wide net already, but that'll be one to watch. 
Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. That's a, that's a good recruiting update there. Appreciate it, Wes. Uh, Pat, anything else uh, from your end before we step out of here? I know that the, there's no update, no huge major update that we know on uh, on Austin Pope, when, and there's no uh, imminent uh, availability or imminent news of, of anything dropping in terms of Tennessee trying to add a tight end, which we'll see. I mean, we'll see how long Pope's out. We'll see what Tennessee does. I think I'm going to write a column on that probably this afternoon at some point some stuff but you know I mean this kind of is what it is right now right it looks like after after Gooden last year with the defensive lineman just people got to step up yeah um it's easy for you know some people say oh they can just get a grad transfer well this, this time of year you're you know you'd be limited in a normal situation yeah. uh and, and in these circumstances I think you're even uh you're even less likely to get one because I mean, if you if you go to our transfer portal page and look at the tight end list, a lot of them have already they've been long off the market. So, um, and one that just came on the market last week from Central Michigan, he quickly committed to Virginia. So, um, I mean, if you're Tennessee, I'd still be calling him just to see if he you know wants to swap the ACC for the SEC. Yep. Um, but there's still I I don't I don't know that there's anybody out there, um, and I'm sure Tennessee Tennessee's coaches will be if they haven't already scoured. Um, looked under every rock to see if they could find anybody at this late hour, but um, I, I don't know that they're going to find anybody that's going to be bring them more quality than what you would get if you just, you know, trusted the guys you have on your campus and trusted you as a coaching staff can develop them. So, um, you know, because that that new guy's got to learn the system, he's got to learn the system and potentially a truncated preseason. Um, so th- there's a lot of challenges there, and 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 Tennessee might have to get creative in some spots and, and creative with some guys and maybe use some extra offensive linemen here and there and things like that. But uh, that that's the challenge with, um, with Pope. I don't know. He, there's not been an, a, a more official timetable. It's not been addressed publicly by, by, by Jeremy Pruitt or anybody in the program, but um, uh, the expectation that I have is that Pope's going to be out a while. Uh, all I, the other all, thing, all I heard was not back soon. That's all. Yeah. I heard. Which, which is basically what I said. Except another way of saying it, <laughs> six one half dozen the other, right? Yeah, um, it means the same thing. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that uh, I think at the end of this week, teams are going to be allowed to start walkthroughs. Um, Ooh, yeah. Obviously, teams have been working with you know coaches have finally gotten a chance to work with their players some over the past, uh, starting last week I believe. Um, limited hours of you know they get some film review now. Um, they hadn't up to that point. It had just been off-season workouts with the strength staff um, since everybody got back in June. Um, and uh, as far as I know, Tennessee, you know, I think some teams may have waited to do that, waited a day or two to uh, have coaches start working with players. But I think Tennessee, you know, went right along. You know, you know, the first day they they could take advantage of, of the of the change in the schedule, they did that. I'm sure they'll do it uh, a little bit. Um, uh, I think it's on Friday. It's the 24th. I think is the the day. They're they're some people are calling them OTAs. They're kind of like, or, you know, kind of like the NFL does where it's, uh, I think they can work with the football, which is you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, in summer workouts, if they're doing anything with coaches, there's no footballs allowed, which is weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, so, but now they get some sort of, uh, I think this little stretch between the 24th of July and the start of practice on the 7th is, was designed by the NCAA to sort of atone for all the, all the practice time everybody missed in the spring. Um, so I, I would think if you're Tennessee and if you're other places, it's going to be heavy install, uh, a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of things where you're, you know, you didn't get through many installs in the springs. If you had, in the spring, if you had two practices or less, if you didn't get started at all, 
uh, I would think that would be pretty heavy on, on these days, obviously, since it's just walkthroughs and you can't do really any real practice, but uh, yeah, they're going to be doing this sort of, you know, full steam ahead. We're still playing the season right now. It's still slated to start on time and, and until otherwise, Tennessee's going to operate as if it's going to do that. So that's, uh, that's what I would look for. I uh, wanted to mention that before we got off this podcast. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say about Pope is that that does um, that, that's a bit of a security blanket for for Joe Osovet that will not be there for a little bit. So uh, makes makes his transition to to being the full time coach there puts a little more challenge to that. But you know the guy's been a head coach before, and, and I'll tell you, you know, uh, if you want to find somebody who can adapt on the fly, if you want to find somebody who can change to any situation. Go find a junior college basketball or football coach. They, their life is basically one big rat race for guys that are going to be there for one or two years. So this is what they do. This, is, this should be right in his lane in terms of getting guys ready to play pretty early. And I, it's a fascinating challenge for this season if they're left with who they, who they have on the roster right now. I mean, certainly you could see – Princeton Fant maybe emerging as the main guy there. I, I think he and Jacob Warren would maybe have the best shot at, at being the, the top two guys. I, I've heard Jim Chaney likes Princeton Fant quite a bit. So we'll, Every, sure everybody exactly. in the program loves him. He works hard. I mean, you know, he's a guy so that, yeah, that gets a lot of people's respect. I, I don't know that, uh, you know, how, how Asa views him, but he's sort of the, the most – uh, I think most effective all around among those guys. And then you've got Warren, who's who's maybe a little more of a pass-catching threat, but he's developed as a blocker, certainly, and gotten bigger the last couple of years. So got a couple options there. And then you, certainly you'd hope that, that Sean Brown or, or Jackson Lowe, maybe one of those guys, can at least take a step to be more in the discussion this year. Otherwise, though, it may be up to a guy like Jordan Allen. I, I didn't think he had a real shot of helping in a major way this year, despite that position change. Much more intriguing now. Yeah, I mean now now there's they they might need him to play some snaps in some form or fashion, or they might have to move D Beckwith to tight end, uh, even though he's wanting to play wide receiver, and I think that's where he's he's definitely planning to start off. You know, if if, if it doesn't look like he's on the path to early playing time, does he get moved to tight end more quickly? You know, they've got they've got to figure some things out there in preseason camp without Austin Pope. I think I think the tricky thing is <clears throat> is that with Pope. You know, he and Dominic Wood Anderson were on the field a lot, and a lot of times they were on the field together last season. You know, mm-hmm. they, they didn't really ask Pope to do a whole lot in the passing game. Uh, he was sort of the dirty work, lead blocker, run blocker guy. Mm-hmm. I just said run blocker guy. That sounds terrible. Um, but No, you it's know, okay. I mean, you know. We'll, we'll they let Wood it. Anderson, you know, run the pass routes and, and do all that stuff. Um, and with Pope there, you, you, you always have that guy that's going to put his hand on the ground and, and block for you. And so you can use some of these other guys, you know, Warren, I think is probably better as a, as a pass catcher than a blocker. Um, even though I'm sure he's improved a lot as a blocker given, you know, over the, over his career, probably the same for Jordan Allen. You know, he, he was, he was a really productive wide receiver and tight end in high school. So there's probably some um, natural ability, ability there that he can fall back on, you know, running routes, catching the ball. Um, but none of these guys, they, they, you know, I don't know how, how well Tennessee, you know, what do they, you know, what do they know about these guys as blockers? Because that's what they want. To, you know, that's what Tennessee wants their tight ends to do first and foremost. I think Fan's fine. I think Fan will do a good job. I think he could be. I don't want to say. I think he'll. I, I think he can get the job done. Um, and, and if maybe he's your, you know, maybe he's the guy you use as, as a primary blocker, and you have to, you might have to get creative and mix and match with who you use in certain situations. And and Ryan, you brought up D Beck. With I was going to see what your thoughts on him were anyway. Uh, I mean, I, I would be, I would line him up maybe as an inline tight end. I would, I would maybe 
line him up behind the line, but you know, line him up as a fullback, throwing the ball. I mean, I, I, I think moving him to some some sort of hybrid H back, hybrid tight end role might be a creative way to to get him involved in the offense. You can split him out wide, or you know, split him out in the slot. I think uh, maybe maybe they were going to do this anyway, but maybe the loss of Austin Pope forces their hand, and, and maybe they can present to him and not say, hey, well, you're not going to move to tight end, but we're going to use you somewhat like a tight end and, and see if that's something that he wants to do that might get him on the field and might get him involved in the offense, you know, as a freshman. What do you, I was wondering what your thoughts yeah. were on, on that potential because um, he's, he's always been an intriguing guy to me because you don't get a lot of guys that big that move like him um, that are, are as good with the ball in their hands as, as he was. Uh, yep. So I'm interested to see what you're, uh, what, what they're going to do with him, and, and I wonder – I hope you don't agree with me because I never want you to agree with me. <laughs> um, but I'm interested to see if you had the same thought on, on what they might do with Beckwith. Yeah, no, he, I mean, he obviously he's the only newcomer from this 2020 class that that has the real potential to to maybe make that that move. I don't see anybody else that's a possible fit there. So if you're looking for another body, he makes a lot of sense. A lot of people thought all along because of his frame being as big as it was that he might end up at tight end anyway. Uh, but I, you know, I do remember talking with him in January when he was sort of choosing between Tennessee and Florida. One of the things he pointed to as the difference between those two schools was Florida was pretty honest about wanting to play him at tight end. And sort of because he's a novice to the position, he didn't see himself as a tight end. But from what I'm told, that was more of a lack of familiarity with the position kind of thing. Not so much thinking he couldn't do it, he just said, you know, I've never done that, so I don't feel really comfortable coming in thinking I'm a tight end. So I think he sees himself as a receiver, but I think like a lot of those situations, he's going to be uh, he's going to be making the a business decision for himself yeah. at some point. And I think he, you know, if he comes in and in camp and sees nine guys ahead of him on the depth chart or whatever for playing time, and sees a, an opportunity at tight end, I think like a lot of kids, he, he would probably be open to that. So it's. Definitely something to watch. I, I still don't know that he's likely to make a huge impact as a freshman, but he could he could certainly help there in a pass catching role if, if they don't have anyone else who emerges that, that can help there. Yeah, we we've seen a few guys at Tennessee that have come in saying, "I'm definitely playing this position. This is my position." Yep. And in a short period of time, they see that the grass is greener somewhere else. I think Juwan Jennings is a great example. Uh, we can probably include Jimmy Holiday on on that on that list at this point. And yep. Um. You, you know. Uh, I don't want to say Alante Taylor. I think they he got moved for a different reason, but um, a chance for them to to be used in a different way. And, and a lot of times that clicks for guys. They see you know they see a greater chance for playing time, and that's what these guys want to do. They want to play more than anything else. Um, I'll, I, I, I'll say I, this though: I was watching his film again recently. We posted it on the site here in a story to to as we continue to giving people another look at some of these guys coming in. It, he's faster on film than people might think, based on the you know the possible tight end description. You know, he really runs away from some. From some players on his film so i think he's he's fast enough to stay at receiver but i think you take that athleticism you take that frame and put it at tight end he could be an above average athlete at tight end whereas he's maybe more middle of the pack at receiver so i think you you definitely could see some exciting possibilities there that might make you want to you know push in that direction given the opportunity i still think people need to be uh thinking of a couple other names at tight end too and that's uh riley locklear and jameer johnson i think there will be situations where 
we see Tennessee do what Tennessee did last year, which is put yep. them in a in a tight end jersey, uh, have them wear two different jerseys, and and when they're wearing the tight end jersey, they can go out there and they can block people. I think if that's that's one thing, I mean, because you look at the way that a tight end blocks in the running game. Uh, even if it's in motion, whatever it is, a lot of times it's kind of like a pulling guard. It's some of the same techniques. So uh, I, I would maybe look for for those guys to 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 both those guys have a little bit of experience playing tackle before. So it's not like being out there is going to be completely foreign to them. I I, I think that the, those, especially with Pope out, uh, unless they find some other answers they really like, I think you're going to see that answer a couple times during the year. There's one other scenario I think Tennessee might kick the tires on. Uh, would would you would you at least ask Latrell Bumpus if he wanted to go back? Maybe he's pretty good on the defensive line, but he he, but he I, he's he's I one of your best not, pass, he's he's one of your best pass rushers on the defensive line. It's mm-hmm. true. So you'd be losing something there, but I mean, I think there's nothing to say that he couldn't. I mean, if those those defensive line guys, they're playing even without good, and they're playing what rolling eight deep or so, whatever. There, they're going to be rolling in and out of a game, six to seven typically. Yeah, yeah, you can still go in there and you know, in goal line packages, he can go back to playing full, you know, tight end and in, in goal. He line was the fullback in the in the Kavaris Crouch package. Yeah, I mean, I think you could do that really quickly. I mean, it's not like he's going to be running a lot of routes and stuff. You're just basically saying, hey, uh, you're going to go in there and hit somebody on uh in in short yardage okay i can do that yeah i mean pruitt's proven before he absolutely will play guys both ways uh, and he'll give them different roles to help the team and he is not afraid to do that that old high school coach comes out in him quickly when they need to to come up with something on the fly he'll do it like so. like wes said i think that extra offensive lineman package has a lot of merit to it uh given what this team is going to want out of the tight end position which is mostly running the ball i think given what you what you have at that position now you know if you get some production in the passing game out of out of princeton fan jacob warren whoever that's great but to me you got to help eric gray and, and ty chandler succeed that's what this offense has a chance to do well with that offensive line they have coming back so i i think, I think you're going to see them if i had to guess you're going to see them if they're ever playing two tight ends there's, there's a very real chance one could be an offensive lineman i think that's a good place to leave it unless pat you got unless you got anything else no, I don't have anything else. <laughs> then we will end it right there. If I could hit the button on time. Thanks for tuning in, guys. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey, whose uh, absence in this podcast is noted for the record, can be found uh, twitter.com slash grant ramey you can also go to uh, twitter.com slash go balls 24 7 if you want just tennessee news none of the personal stuff that all all of us and by that i mean me tweet throughout the day uh, you can go get that at twitter.com slash go balls 24 7 or you can go to facebook.com slash go balls 24 7 where ramey does a great job spearheading our coverage there or you can go get that delicious east tennessee mountain spring water right from the tap right from the source and man, doesn't that Smoky Mountain water taste great on another 100-degree day. You can get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to discuss all things Tennessee athletics, be it football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, softball, Lady Vols basketball, everything. We've got Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all the time. She put up a her weekly uh, Lady Vols Reporters Notebook, I believe, over the weekend. So lots of good stuff there. Lots and lots of good stuff. She's got great access to those programs. And uh, last thing, guys, please, please, please go in and rate and review this podcast. 
rate and review this podcast. Do I need to say it one more time? I think I will. Please rate and review this podcast. And if you sign up for us, you get uh, access to CBS All Access. So you should do that because there's all kinds of good stuff on there. If nothing else, we will see y'all, I believe, uh, Thursday, if nothing breaks before then. But hey, this is Tennessee, so that's always possible. Pat, final thoughts? Nope.